How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Andrew Porter Show 902. Joining me now is one of my go-to fantasy football analysts, one of the top guys out there. Matt Kelly of playerprofiler.com, a.k.a. the Podfather, a.k.a. fantasy underscore mansion on Twitter, host of Roto Underworld Podcast. What's up, Matt? Yes, go-to guy. I like that. Did I get that right? All that stuff? Yes, yes, go-to. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. I'm my own go-to guy, so we have that in common. (laughs) That's good. What's going on? Thanks for joining me. Um, I want to... Looking at some some of these uh, early drafts, fantasy football season is here and people are already drafting Andrew yes they are it's early but I my draft is set for August 20th my I do a 12 team auction league PPR that I've been running Woo. for about 16 years it's pretty pretty big league pretty good pretty good stuff but um I play multiple <laughs> leagues uh, what's your overall redraft strategy I know you're a big zero RB guy and I, I don't know if people know what that is but I, I guess you'll get into that what's your overall redraft strategy this year for, for people playing Essentially, we don't like to invest too much in the running back position. In fantasy football, the common, the most common strategy for many years was load up on running backs early. Times have changed, particularly in the PPR league that you mentioned. I tend to invest heavily in wide receivers early, take my shots here and there on some really good high-value running backs that I love, especially one that I that I like the most right now, my my favorite value running back in the early-ish rounds is Ty Montgomery on uh, the Packers. But generally speaking, load up on those wide receivers, and then there's a lot of nice value running backs as the draft goes along. Once you get into round 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, there's actually a lot of great value in those areas. Remember last year, LeGarrette Blunt was drafted in round 11 and 12, Melvin Gordon was going in round eight and nine. So you can get some great production in those rounds and you don't have to worry about the the fragility of the running back position. A lot of running backs either disappoint every year or get hurt. Adrian Peterson did both last year and he was being drafted before Le'Veon Bell, if you don't recall. So it's it the wide receiver position gives you steadier more consistent production year to year. That's why I stick with wide receivers early, generally speaking. When I look at this year, and we'll get to the NFCs in a second, but I look at quarterback and, and it's just getting deeper and deeper every single year. And it's like, so why me. would I even draft a quarterback? It's basically like pick up a quarterback in the last round if you do a snake draft. I do an auction and I'm budgeting $3 for a quarter. I'll get, I don't care, right. I'll get anybody. Yeah, Carson Palmer yeah. is the... 20th quarterback drafted, Andrew. It's crazy. Carson bleeping Palmer? <laughs> Are you kidding me? In that offense, he gets to throw to David Johnson, John Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, and the fastest man, J.J. Nelson. Y- yes, please, give me Carson Palmer. My three favorite values at quarterback, which you can get in the back half of drafts, Andy Dalton, upgraded weaponry, 
and I don't think the run game is going to be what it was. So I think he's going to have to throw the ball more. I, agree. I love A.J. Green this year for the same reason, but they upgraded the wide receiver core. I mean, one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL is actually in Cincinnati. People don't talk about it. When you think about A.J. Green, you think about John Ross stretching the field. Tyler Boyd's a great slot receiver. He hasn't been productive, but he fits the slot receiver profile perfectly. And one of the best receiving tight ends in Tyler Eifert and one of the best receiving running backs in Giovanni Bernard. I also like Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, his wide receivers are all coming back, and Keenan Allen's coming back healthy. He has two tight ends he can throw to. So lots of weaponry for Phillip Rivers, and I think that you know he could be – he could have a career year, a real renaissance year for Phillip Rivers, I'm expecting. So those are those are the three guys. The one value, quote-unquote, quarterback I'm not as excited about as others is Eli Manning. I know in the NFC East, you all want to talk a little bit about Yeah, Giants, let's start there. You can start there with Washington, the Giants. Washington, right? Yeah. Some of those teams. Eli Manning has not been efficient really ever. He's had a couple stretches in the playoffs where he's been efficient. And that's a really good time. If you had to pick your spots to be efficient, it would be, oh, how about a playoff run when we have a good defense? Oh, I'll be efficient in these particular games. Right. Right. Manningham, touchdown, whatever it is. So Eli Manning has simply not been efficient. When you look at completion percentage and on playerprofiler.com, what we do is advanced metrics. So we look at some of the more uh, sophisticated analytics on quarterbacks, deep ball completion percentage, under pressure completion percentage. Most years, Eli Manning does not perform well. I know they're bringing in Brandon Marshall. I know there's an upgrade there. And for fantasy, what we like is the volume. We like that they don't have a good run game in New York, so you like Eli Manning. But those were the forces that were supposed to propel Eli Manning last year. He had the high pass volume. They didn't have a run game. He had Odell Beckham Jr. and Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard. And what? What? Right. Nothing. Nothing happened. So you can excuse away Philip Rivers last year. You can't excuse away what happened to Eli Manning. So I'm worried that Eli Manning is in decline and that it's actually a precipitous decline and that even the presence of OBJ and Brandon Marshall can't elevate him because if you're not a quarterback that runs for touchdowns, you know, Marcus Mariota, Russell Wilson, you need to be both prolific and efficient. And I just don't see it with Eli Manning. Let's stick. We'll, we'll do the NFCs now. Let's stick with the giants. Then um, who else on the giants is worth drafting other than Odell Beckham jr. Obviously. Well, I can tell you not to draft Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins is one of the most overrated running backs in all of fantasy because what fantasy gamers love to do is play the free square game, right? Look at the depth chart, find the guy that's next in line to be the primary back and just say, okay, that's the guy. That's the guy. That guy, it doesn't matter who he is. Right. They will elevate him into the sixth, seventh, and eighth rounds. And many will think they're getting a great value. I'm getting a starting running back on the Giants. Since when is the starting running back on the Giants a good thing? They haven't had a productive running back in fantasy football since Brandon Jacobs. And they haven't had a productive running back that's good in all phases since Tiki Barber. It's been 10 years. And their offensive line's not much better. And Paul Perkins was an average producer at UCLA, and he has below-average athleticism. He is the 
quintessential just a guy running back. If there's any running back on that depth chart that I'm even remotely excited about, it's Shane Vereen as the pass catching back on a team that likes to throw the ball. That's a player I could draft at the end of a draft. He's going very late. That's a fine value. But Paul Perkins is the worst option in the middle rounds at running back. We'll shift to the Dallas Cowboys now. You look at the Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott's obviously a top three consensus player, top three, top four player. You have Dak Prescott who's around the Not nine. anymore, though. Not anymore. All the rumors. All, All right. the rumors. Yeah, the rumors. Yeah, I'm that's just true. a mock draft. I got him at six. There you go. That's... <laughs> there you go. Why not? There, yeah, Maybe exactly. Maybe missed two games last year. So you've got to keep drafting Ezekiel Elliott knowing that you can fill in week one and two, stream a, a Rob Kelly who's going to be the starter in name only, but he will – get maybe a touchdown plunge or two in weeks one and two. So you fill in, you backfill Ezekiel Elliott with a, with a Rob Kelly type, a Jonathan Stewart type, a Darren Sproles type, and then week three rolls back around. Okay, great. And that's worst case scenario, I think, is a two-game suspension, probably one game, whatever, maybe no games, who knows. But you don't let a two-game suspension chase you off a guy who's a consensus top three back. If you can get David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott. You draft those guys in the first round, and then you just hammer down on wide receivers after that. What about Des Bryant? Do you like Des Bryant this year, or are you staying away? No. Des Bryant was good with Tony Romo because Tony Romo was wired in a way that he would throw the ball to Des even when Des wasn't open. And Des is not a separator. What he does is he's great at contested catches, but he's not great at separating Dak Prescott's wired in a different way. Dak Prescott throw, has to see throws before he makes them. He's like Marcus Mariota in that way. There's a very careful game manager plus is what I would call Dak Prescott. That's not a slight. I know he was a top 12 quarterback in fantasy last year, and he probably will be again this year because of his ability to run the ball and run for some touchdowns, which are gold in fantasy football. But the way he operates, it depresses Des Bryant's volume because he's not so eager to throw the ball outside if Des Bryant isn't clearly open. But you know who is open a lot over the middle? Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, yeah. Cole Beasley was top 10 last year on a metric on playerprofiler.com called hog rate, which is targets per snap. The problem was the Cowboys were leading by double digits in a lot of games, and so they were running the ball in the second half. If that changes... And the NFC East, for example, is more competitive. Suddenly, Cole Beasley is going to be in the game more. And when he's in the game, he gets targeted heavily. So Cole Beasley is a guy I like because the slot receiver is not viewed as a position that has upside. But in a PPR format, point per reception, if you can start to command a significant target share, you are going to have significant upside. And I like Cole Beasley as a late flyer in fantasy drafts. Let's go to D.C. before we get to the Eagles. Uh, I know you're a Kirk Cousins guy. He he produced last year a good value quarterback. Do you like him again this year, and what's your take on the Redskins offense? Well, the deal with Kirk Cousins is the analytics like Kirk Cousins more than you know the, the, anal, the, the anecdotal gas bags, right? The anecdotal yes. gas bags in the media like to make fun of Kirk Cousins because he has sort of a douchey face, and he has a very you know cheesy – persona 
right? Right. He's not, he's not, he's not earnest out there. And there's just something about him that people just think this guy's just, he's like my little brother. Get out of here, Kirk Cousins. You're not that good. Get out of here, Kirk Cousins. You're not that good. Well, the advanced metrics, when you look at, you know, deep ball completion percentage, for example, last year, 47.7% top five in the NFL. And he's been top seven the past two seasons in just straight completion percentage. And you look down the line at other metrics, whether it be passer rating, whether it be total QBR. Last year, he was top five in total QBR and yards per attempt. So he's good. He's just good. And it's not like his receivers were incredible last year. No, Pierre Garçon's good. Jamison Crowder's good. Deshaun Jackson's an excellent field stretcher, but he's not Des Bryant. Right. So he didn't. He hasn't had a Des Bryant type receiver this year. Terrell Pryor could be. Terrell Pryor might make the leap and become a Des Bryant type NFL X receiver, but I'm not sure. If I'm drafting in fantasy football, I'm drafting Jamison Crowder for the same reasons I like Cole Beasley. Only Jamison Crowder has the volume built into the role. Jamison Crowder is going to play that slot flanker position. He's going to gobble up incredible amounts of targets, and if something happens to Jordan Reed. I think Jamison Crowder could lead the NFL in receptions because there's so much volume there, and he would just be a vortex for targets in Washington. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to throw a ton. And let's go, let's go to the Eagles. Your take on the Eagles' offense and in fantasy, Carson Wentz, Alshon Jeffrey, all their new weapons and all. They're trying, man. They're trying. I mean, they're trying. I like that. I like teams that are trying. I like teams that are in the mix for the high-profile free agents that come available on the offensive side of the football. I just so went on a rant real quick. The question, oh, is this guy a fit for our offense? It doesn't matter. Alshon Jeffrey is one of the elite outside receivers, one of the best playmakers on the ball that we, we have in the league. So, of course, you throw a dart on a one-year contract on Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, that was the no-brainer move of the offseason. Yes, you give Alshon Jeffrey just in case, right, just in case. I mean, this guy has, you know, top 10 fantasy seasons on his resume. So I love Alshon Jeffrey there. He's a good fit with Carson Wentz, who has, who has a big arm, you know, similar, I guess, in that way to, to Jay Cutler. That was when Alshon Jeffrey was at his best with Jay Cutler. I also like Jordan Matthews. I've always been a Jordan Matthews enthusiast. The SEC's all-time leader in receiving yards, the most prolific wide receiver in the history of the Southeastern Conference, Jordan Matthews, and also has two top 24 fantasy seasons on his resume already. And then he had a down year. He had some drops. And then it would, that, that erases his entire career? Right. No. A bad year, an inefficient year, doesn't erase six years of incredibly productive and efficient play. So I think that Jordan Matthews is going to move inside and – Outside will be Alshon Jeffrey. I think it's a great pairing. I, I love that. I love that two receiver set formation where they have. Or you think about the twelve personnel when you have both Selleck and Ertz on the field, and then on both sides you have uh, Jordan Matthews on one side and Alshon Jeffrey on the other. I think that's going to be a dynamic formation for the Eagles because I think if there's one guy that's the most underrated player, even more underrated than Jordan Matthews. It's Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has been incredible, especially for fantasy football. I know he's not a great blocker, but for fantasy football, Zach Ertz was the number three tight end in fantasy last season, and he's only getting better. Every year he improves. We have a 
metric called target premium, which measures a tight end's production as it relates to the other wide receivers and other receivers in the passing game, plus 30.5% for Zach Ertz. So he was giving you a lot more on a per-target basis last year than the other receivers in that Eagles passing game. That's a top-five target premium in the NFL. So he was both productive and efficient and relatively young for a tight end. He's now 26, so this guy is in full ascension mode. I mean, he was great at Stanford, one of the most dominant tight ends we've seen in a power, on a, out of Power 5 conference school in a long time. So Zach Ertz, dominant at Stanford, comes to Philadelphia, dominant at Philadelphia, and no one's drafting him in the top five tight ends in fantasy football. Makes no sense. Yeah, and if he gets a little, he's had some bad uh, red zone and touchdown luck, I would say, over the past couple seasons. If he, you know, he had four touchdowns, if he gets that number to six or seven, you're talking easily top five tight end. Um, yeah, four touchdowns last year was as low as it can get for a player who receives 17 red zone targets. Right. Think about it. 17 red zone targets, four touchdowns. You're right. The math doesn't add up there. So that's he's a regression candidate in the red zone. I love to draft regression candidates in fantasy football, particularly the red zone regression candidates, guys getting a lot of red zone looks, not punching it in for whatever reason. A lot of that's bad luck. It's not like he has this you know, genetic disposition where he can't score touchdowns. That's just the way he was born. No, it's just bad luck. He could easily have eight touchdowns this year, and everyone be thinking of, oh, Zach Ertz, you know, he's right there with Travis Kelsey as a top three tight end. But for right now, because of the bad luck with the touchdowns, that's not how he's viewed, and that's an inefficiency. Um, real quick, be- before we get to break, real quick, we have a couple minutes. Overvalued and undervalued player. I know you mentioned Ty Montgomery, but give me give me one more. Yeah, over- Ty Montgomery's the guy. Ty Montgomery is the undervalued running back in all of fantasy football. This guy is six foot two fifteen. And he's viewed as someone closer to Theo Riddick when actually I believe he's closer to David Johnson. David Johnson was a former wide receiver at Northern Iowa and then converted to running back, just like Ty Montgomery has converted from wide receiver to running back. It's a, there's a great track record, a, a promising track record for the wide receivers turned running back that end up becoming efficient runners. And last year, Tom Montgomery was top three in the NFL in juke rate, evaded tackles per touch on playerprofiler.com, which measures elusiveness. Top three in breakaway run rate. Top three in yards after contact per touch. So he was incredibly efficient in his first year playing the position. So imagine now what happens after they've jettisoned all their veteran running backs. It's his job on a prolific offense, lots of red zone visits. What do you think is going to happen to Ty Montgomery? He's going to become a bell cow back operating in one of the most, you know, uh, fantasy-rich offenses. So this is a no-brainer pick yep. once you get to round three, four, five in fantasy football drafts. In terms of overvalued, ah, C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson's overvalued. You might say, well, he's, he's not going that early. He's going in the sixth round. Well, that's true. C.J. Anderson's going in the sixth round, and that's high for a player I think will be cut. Okay, <laughs> If you draft a player in the sixth round and he gets cut at the end of camp, that's the definition of an overvalued bust because I think he looks a lot like Justin Forsett. 
Justin Forsett hung around in Baltimore because he knew the system. But at the end of the day, they brought in running backs that had more excitement, more je ne sais quoi, more promise, whatever it is, more potential. Kenneth Dixon, players like that. Well, that's what they've been doing in Denver. I think they they drafted Devontae Booker, who they like. I think they brought in Jamal Charles. And then they also drafted D'Angelo Henderson this year, who was the most dominant small school running back we've seen in, in, in quite some time and is also very athletic. So I think that these three running backs are going to give C.J. Anderson a run because C.J. Anderson has been hugely inefficient the last two seasons. He hasn't had a good run since the second half of 2014. And during his epic run in 2014, the second half when he was the top fantasy producer, he didn't face one top 10 rush defense in eight games in the second half of that season. All right, Matt. C.J. Anderson, benefits from randomness, bus candidate. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Matt Kelly, playerprofiler.com, a.k.a. the Podfather Fantasy Mansion on Twitter. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks. Talk soon. Andrew Porter Show, WIP Sports Times 922. Andrew Porter, 930. Ricky Ricardo coming up at 10. 888-729-9494 gets you in. We're talking Eagles and Sixers predominantly. Kevin Keenan producing the show. John Johnson on the updates. Wanted to here. The, the, wanted to talk about this for a second. There's a viral photo thing going around. Feud between Draymond Green and Conor McGregor. So Draymond Green posted a photo on his Instagram account of Conor McGregor in a Warriors 23 jersey, assuming it was Draymond's jersey, and he said, "Uh." We rocking with Floyd, bro, not you. Take that off, bro. And he wrote at McGregor. So so that's his first mistake. You don't come at Conor McGregor and his 5 million Twitter followers. The guy's the trash-talking champ. So, obviously, McGregor comes back on Instagram, the notorious MMA. He goes, quote, that's CJ Watson, mate. I don't know who the F you are. No disrespect, though, kid. Keep hustling and stay in school. Now ask yourself why I'm rocking CJ when I don't know or give a F about basketball. I dribble heads off the floor, not a ball. This is no game here, kid, end quote. That's pretty good. Draymond, like an idiot, responds to that, and he says, Ha, 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 that number won't be worn again, when I'm finished with it, clown, gold medalist, NBA champ, all-star, defensive player of the year, etc. Ha ha ha, stop it, boy. Nate Diaz, Bay Area stand up, whooped you in your ring. That's Draymond. And then he goes on, I think he said something else too. Um, but that was pretty much the gist of it. So that's viral going around now. Interesting. Mayweather McGregor coming up next month, but I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Draymond Green's always in some sort of Instagram, Twitter beef controversy, but you probably shouldn't mess with McGregor. 888-729-9494. Let me contradict myself here for a little bit. One second before we go to break. And I, I did the first pretty much hour of the show talking about how LeBron to Philadelphia is potentially real after the season. I don't need for it to happen. I don't yearn for LeBron James because I think this is a homegrown, built, constructed roster that can win championships down the line. 
However, having said all that, I'll con- contradict myself for a second. This Kyrie Irving re- trade request thing is interesting. Now, we all love conflict. Conflict sells. You know, TV, movies, life, celebrity, sports, conflict. The media sells conflict. I don't buy that this Kyrie trade request is a feud with LeBron. It's just a simple, smart business decision. Kyrie sees that LeBron could leave after the season. LeBron hates Dan Gilbert. He hates the organization, really. And Kyrie's looking for an out himself. He doesn't want to be stuck in Cleveland, which is what LeBron has created in the NBA. You look out for yourself. Business move. Interestingly, Kyrie Irving fits perfectly with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is basically, the, his upside comp is LeBron James. He's the same type of player. Big 10, not a good outside shooter, pass first, ball handler, good in transition. Kyrie and Markel Fultz couldn't play together. Too small. It's probably not ideal. Maybe they could, but it's not ideal. Kyrie with Ben Simmons, that's ideal. That is exactly ideal. That's a perfectly constructed roster. So if you're the Sixers, and for this experiment we are, would you package Markel Fultz, maybe and another player or two, and a pick for Kyrie Irving? And I think I would. Now, I know that I'm contradicting my LeBron James statement, but I think this makes sense. Look, Fultz is 19 years old. He's, it's going to take him three to four seasons, like most rookies, to really become an all-star. Kawhi Leonard averaged 7 points, 12 points, 13 points, and then 16 points his first four years. He didn't average 20 until year five. It took Paul George and Jimmy Butler until year four to average 20. Kyrie's 25. He's already an NBA champion. He's a winner. He's a superstar right now, like today. He's a guarantee. Fultz might become that in three to four seasons, but Kyrie's that right now. He would expedite the process. Kyrie... J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. I mean, that's probably the best team in the East. You can make that happen now. That's a trade that could happen today, and that can make the Sixers the best team in the East tomorrow. So that's interesting to me. That I, I perk my ears up at that. And I like Markel Fultz. But I, and look, analytics people don't love Kyrie Irving. He's just a small scorer. He doesn't really defend. I, I like Kyrie Irving. He's the best one-on-one player in the league. He's a perfect fit with Ben Simmons. He would score. He would average a ton of points here. Now, you wouldn't be great defensively on the perimeter with J.J. Redick and Kyrie Irving, but Markel Fultz is going to struggle as a rookie. At 19 years old, he's not going to be this elite player right out of the gate. He's young. It takes a little bit. Simmons, I think, will be great right out of the box. Maybe not all-star great, but I think Simmons will will have success early on because of his body type. He does have an elite NBA-ready body. And Joel Embiid is essentially a fourth-year player already. Fultz is the, is the guy that's going to struggle at first. He's only 19. Kyrie, J.J., Simmons, Embiid, and whoever. That, that team can win the East immediately. It's interesting to think about. I don't know if the Sixers are, Sixers are making calls, if Colangelo's making calls on that. And I don't know what the, the Cavaliers would want. I mean, you know, maybe it's, it's a package like Fultz, Covington, Okafor, and a pick. You know, maybe it's something like that. Maybe that gets it done. It's interesting to think about. 888-729-9494. One more segment, then it's Ricky Ricardo at 10. Andrew Porter Show, WIP Sports Times, 937. Andrew Porter Show, 943. Final segment, Ricky Ricardo coming up at 10. He's going to come in here any second. We'll cross over. 
hang out a little bit. He's hanging out with John now instead of me, though. Um, those sludge-produced little things are getting out of control. I mean, those are, <laughs> like, all over the place now. They're pretty good. Some of them are not funny. Some of them are funny. But um, 888-729-9494, if you want to get in on anything, Ricky's going to continue the conversation. I'm sure he'll switch to or shift to baseball a little bit more. That's his forte. I um, wanted to see if anybody watched the J.J. Reddick documentary. It was a 15-minute documentary on J.J. Reddick's process. It was called The Process with J.J. Reddick, and it talked about his journey through free agency and his ultimate decision to join the Sixers. And it was interesting because, and I believe him, and he talked about how Houston offered him more money. I think he said three, it was three years. And there was a, you know, it's undefeated, undisputed. LeBron LeBron and Maverick Carter's website put it together, undisputed. And it's good. I I retweeted the link. It's a really good video. It's worth watching. And he talked about how Houston offered him three years, more total money. He didn't like the situation there. He obviously wouldn't have gotten as much playing time with behind Chris Paul and James Harden and Eric Gordon. Uh, Brooklyn, his wife really wanted him to go to Brooklyn. They have a home in Brooklyn. He wanted stability. He wanted multiple years. Brooklyn wasn't going to offer him that, which I think is insane. I think Brooklyn should have offered him three years because they're Brooklyn. They need him. They didn't. And ultimately, he took you know, a huge one-year deal with the Sixers. But again... It wasn't just about the huge $23 million salary. He ultimately wanted stability, which he could have gotten in Houston, but he liked the situation in Philadelphia better. He likes the he's, he likes being in this leadership role now as, an, as a 32-year-old shooting guard. He's going to get more minutes, and I think it's a great situation for J.J. Redick, and as did he, and as did the team and the organization, and I think it's a really, really nice fit, a team that needs a, a, a guy who's older, some veteran leadership, and shooting, and they get all that in one while not committing long-term and hurting themselves financially, it's kind of the best of both worlds for every party involved. And I really thought the documentary was good. It explained that. There was a podcast that he did the day before, his new podcast, The Chronicles of Reddick. And he spoke with Maverick Carter for the first half of the podcast, and then Brian Colangelo joined him for the second half of the podcast. And it was a genuine conversation that I think, and I'm bringing it up because I think it's worth listening to. It's worth finding if you're a Sixers fan. It's a good podcast. It's about an hour long. The Chronicles of Reddick, Undisputed, and, and the, the uh, documentary is 15 minutes long. It came out the next day. It's on YouTube. It's on different websites. It's on cbsphilly.com too. So I thought it was well done and worth while listening to. 888-729-9494, Andrew Porter Show. I was talking about LeBron James coming to Philly, and that, that's kind of where I got started. I've been talking a lot of Sixers lately, lately tonight. Uh, Aaron in Westchester wants to join us. What's up, Aaron? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, I was just calling to uh, let you know. Yeah, I watched the uh, J.J. Reddick documentary. Um, I thought it was really cool uh, to see kind of his decision to come to Philly and his uh, process uh, throughout that. Um, but, yeah. Talking about LeBron, um, at first I never really thought it was a possibility of him coming here next year, but the more and more I think about it, uh, I think why wouldn't you want to come to Philly with all uh, these young guys here, you know? Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't the documentary, first I'll talk about the documentary, wasn't it nicely produced? I thought it was a good job. It was quick, 15 minutes, it was produced nicely. It was good. 
Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm really excited for Reddick, and I think we'll provide a, a great option for us on the wing this year. Uh, knock down some threes and uh, hopefully mentor the young guys as well. Yep, thanks for the call, Aaron. And, and for the LeBron thing, and, and I'll real quick before Ricky comes here to overlap, it's people talk about how it's so, some people think it's unrealistic for LeBron James to come to Philadelphia. And like, it's funny because Howard Eskin said on, on WIP and he, he put uh it will never, ever, 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 ever happen. So I made a graphic and tweeted it and Mike Trout actually replied and sports center actually screenshotted that and posted it, which was funny. I retweeted it, but it was, it was a, just a, I wrote, um, I tweeted the, the quote from Howard and I put, LeBron to the Sixers confirmed with a laughing face because Howard's <laughs> been pretty wrong on the Sixers as I was making a, a funny and Trout replied, trust the process. So I was, thought that was good. Um, but I think it's totally plausible. Look, it's it's obviously not a foregone conclusion. It's obviously not imminent. The Lakers seem likely. The Sixers don't, I, I'll admit. But it's possible. He does have a connection to Simmons. There is a connection there with Clutch Sports and Rich Paul and the agency. That's number one. Number two, he does want to play for a big market, and obviously the Lakers are the ideal team to play for if you are you know can choose any team in the NBA, probably market size and Magic Johnson and the history of the Lakers. But Philly's not a bad alternative consolation prize. It's a good market, a lot of history, storied franchise. And LeBron's a really smart guy. He understands about the landscape of the NBA, he understands salary cap, he understands roster construction. He knows how good Ben Simmons can be. He knows how good Joel Embiid can be. He sees Markel Fultz there, and maybe you know there's a move to be made. But he sees what the Sixers have built. He knows about Brett Brown and how good of a coach Brett Brown is. He hear, He has so much respect for Popovich, and he's so close with Popovich. Think about that phone phone conversation. You know, he asks Greg Popovich, "How's Brett Brown?" And he gets a ringing endorsement from San Antonio, a team that LeBron has publicly endorsed and, and praised. And Greg Popovich, how he's, he's called openly the greatest coach in the NBA. So there's definitely many ties there, many possibilities. Pro, pro, probably not going to happen, but who knows? It's not crazy. It's definitely in the realm of possibility. If you look at the East, and, and obviously he should want to be in the East because the West is so so much better. So he... Traditionally, he should want to stay away from the West. And you have the Lakers. He could go to the Lakers with Paul George. But who's to say that him and Paul George and Lonzo Ball, they're not beating the Warriors. This Sixers team with Embiid and Simmons and LeBron, I mean, that's a transcendent team. I think it's a more attractive team, and the route to the finals is much easier. In the East, after if LeBron left Cleveland, I mean, the East is wide open, and you obviously have Boston, but Boston isn't scary. There's nothing scary about Boston. Washington, with John, they just signed John Wall. They're not scary. I mean, they're good. They're a good team. They're another piece away from being great. Milwaukee's building something nice, but they're nothing special. They're not scary. I mean, they're going to be good probably, but I don't, I don't think they're scary. So, I mean, who in the East other than the Sixers would he even consider? Chicago, maybe it's it's basically a rebuilding project, though. If he went to a, a team other than the Sixers or or I guess the Celtics or the or the Bucks, those teams, I don't even know that they could afford him or take him on. But it's it's he doesn't want to have a, a rebuilding situation where he has to reconstruct a whole entire new roster. With the Sixers, he can kind of just come in, 
be that guy. He doesn't have to be the guy. You know, it's at the end of his career. He doesn't have to lead the team in scoring anymore. He has Simmons. He has Embiid. He has Fultz, presumably, and Sarge. And I don't know who, you know, if they keep their full roster intact. It's totally plausible. It's a plausible scenario, and I don't think it should be dismissed. I don't think it's likely. I'm not saying it's likely or it's going to happen. But I don't think it's 0%. I don't think it's negative 2%. I don't, you know, maybe it, there's a small chance for any team that he can go to. And, I, and look, I think he's ultimately going to try to stay in Cleveland. I think that's best for his legacy. But if he does leave and you have to make a list of top five teams that he could go to, it would have to be the Sixers would have to be on that list. 888-729-9494. I see Ricky lurking at the door. Coming in to get a chomp at the bit. There he is. There he's, he comes for the overlap. What's going on, Rick? How's the baseball world treating you? Well, baseball world is treating me just fine, the thank l- you. Legendary Ricky Ricardo. Mr. Porter. What's going a- on? As I'm driving, and it's heavy rain now yes. here in Center City. And, and Actually, it's heavy rain from about exit 7A. So I did today's game from the CBS studios. I flew in from Seattle yesterday. So as I'm coming down, the rain's getting harder and harder and harder as I get closer to the Ben Franklin Bridge. And what do I hear off my radio? Andrew Porter, of all people, saying, I'm going to contradict myself. What? <laughs> Andrew Porter contradicting himself. Heaven forbid. At least I admit it. You know, most of these hosts don't admit it. You did admit it. I admit it. All right, I'll so let me, get this, let me get this straight. Yeah. You're either, because I am completely against the notion, not even him being here, the notion of bringing LeBron James to Philadelphia to me is, is asinine, 10, 11, 12. I don't buy it. I think this team will win on its own, not bringing in the ultimate mercenary. I agree. I agree. Okay? But you are flip-flopping like a fish out of water on this thing. No. What's the deal? Give me a bottom it's line Porter take. Deep down, if you go into the chronicles of Andrew Porter and you, you dig down and get to my heartstrings, I really like LeBron James as the player. Like I, I'm a big LeBron James fan, so I'm. Look, if he came here, I would support it ultimately. But I think this team is good enough to win without him. I don't think they need you, to. You realize? For you do James. realize that if LeBron James were to come to the Sixers, right? Yes. And let's say they win. Okay. Best case scenario, let's say they win. All this process. Yeah, all this hinky goes away. All this—it's all down the proverbial toilet. Well, yeah, I guess. I, I guess, right. but the, people the, of your ilk, Mister Porter and Junior Eskin and, yeah. and the Red Ricky Sanchez, wherever the hell he is, and everyone else, and all that legion of—that is all kaput. Well, no, well, we would argue that the process allowed us to get LeBron James because of all the assets. Well, and the I, cap can space, argue, I can argue. I mean, yeah, we can, we can be, make lemonade out of rotten, you know. It, it wouldn't it, be as fun, to your point. It, w- it would eliminate this whole fun inner debate with the Sixers. The whole point of the process yes. was to create our, let me spell it out for you, O-W-N thing. Our own thing from scratch. Correct? Well, well, I mean, the point was to win a championship, however you can do it. But, yeah, I think that's the best way to do it, is, is a homegrown team. Now. I, I think that's the most I, I will give you much more credence to your Kyrie Irving theory. 
I think that makes some sense. That makes more sense than LeBron. What are you kidding me? Right. I've been sitting here preaching for years that we have to build the team until LeBron goes off to the West Coast because he's going to play for the Clippers eventually. Right, or the Lakers or somebody. Oh, the Lakers, yeah. you know. Right. He's going to go West because he's got his house out there and the whole thing, and that's where guys, you know, veterans in the NBA are going to die out in the, in the Western Conference. So you're Kyrie Irving, Elizabeth, New Jersey, not far from here. That theory makes much more sense than this asinine notion of having LeBron James come here as a the ultimate mercenary. Now, as a bit from a business perspective, from a ratings perspective, LeBron would be pretty awesome. He would this city would be going crazy. Hmm. Sales and ratings and page views. Oh man, it'd be good from a yeah, business. Yeah, but it would all be LeBron. It would based. be LeBron. It would be the LeBron Sixers. It would exactly. Yeah. You know? I know, I know. That's what he does. This is not LeBron's team. Will it? Ne- it'll never be. Right. This is a fun team, and I think there's something to be said for that. It's fun. It's fun to have your own guys. They're young. They like each other. It's yeah. fun. And you bring in a guy like LeBron, and it takes all that fun out of the equation. All the fun that we've had with all these youngsters here, you know, growing, cutting their teeth in the big, bad city of brotherly love would go away in an instant, Andrew Porter. All Come right. back down to earth. My time is up. Have a good show. What do you got tonight? Anything we good? will have a faith based program tonight good faith-based I so stay it. tuned for that i'm going to watch game of thrones 888-729-9494 and no your porter ricky ricardo's next have no a good night faith. 957 how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.